hot outside, so we're going to let the AC kick for a little bit. The beauty of our, I was thinking about that, I'm like, it's kind of unfortunate that it's so loud, but I can look back a year ago, what were we doing, Sean? But we were a bit sweating profusely down street as we were uh, installing window units every Sunday morning in a little gas station. So I'll take a little bit noisy AC over where we were a year ago, any day of the week. Uh, yeah, we thought about that. Old oh, school church fans. Uh, baby shower after our gathering this morning uh, for Amy. And what do we have a baby name? Olivia. Olivia. Olivia Rose. Cool stuff. And Wednesday night, our ladies' DNA group. Um, I don't know, they may be at our house still, kind of this summer, trying to make it easy on you uh, if you're a mama. Um, so, ladies at our house, if I'm speaking out of turn, Shelly will correct me. Uh, but we want you to come, uh, connect with one another, and be encouraged uh, in this journey. So, ladies, Wednesday night at 6.30. And that's that. We are coming to a close of summertime. Hard to imagine. But summertime is almost over if you go to school. Now, if you're just us working, it's still going to be hot. It's still going to feel like summer. Uh, but if you're a kid in school age, it's almost over. But summertime is also vacation season, right? Uh, many of you have been. So where have you been or where are you going this vacation season? What's that look like for you guys? Where have you been? Where are you going? Thailand. Huh? Thailand. Thailand. I bet nobody else in here went to Thailand. Right? Everybody else is like, I don't want to answer now. And whatever I had to say is lame at this point. Thailand. Where else have we been this summer? We just got back from San Antonio. San Antonio. Where we went last summer. Awesome place to visit. Lots to do, whether you're checking out the downtown district or going to SeaWorld. Uh, really cool area of our country. Where else have you been? All the way to the lake. All the way to the lake, <laughs> Hamilton. Well, we have 15 family members between Michigan and here. And every two years, we have a huge vacation in different states. Yeah. But this year, to help Amy and Zach out, they all came here. Everybody came here. Had a great time. So your Detroit friends travel all the way to Arkansas for vacation. Yeah. I've been to Detroit in the summertime. Arkansas is the last place I'm going if I live in Detroit. Arkansans should go to Detroit in the summertime because it's significantly less humid and about 10 degrees cooler. So not this year. Not this year? But I was also in Detroit in February, and anybody that lives there in February should come to Arkansas. Yeah, that's right there. Uh, why it was in Chicago, he can testify to all that in similar climate. So, um, we went to Gatlinburg, you guys went to Gatlinburg, yeah. So they went two weeks before us just to make sure they were gone before we got there. <laughs> they didn't want to cross paths, that's how that works. So here's a question for you to build on that. What are the differences about staying in that vacation condo versus coming home? Right, so... We had a cabin outside of Gatlinburg in the Smoky Mountains that was incredible. I mean, it was homey, warm, comfortable. It was everything you could ask for. 
but yet there's a unique difference between no matter how cool your vacation cabin is or that condo is or whatever it is, what's the unique difference between staying there and then coming home? No, you don't have to cut the grass at the condo. Somebody's going to come do that in between stays. But what else? Think about that. No matter how cool the condo is. It's based around fun and and bonding and stuff like that, but the love that you build and the solid foundation of that home isn't quite there in yeah, and that foundation indicates longevity. I mean, if you're going to lay a foundation, then you're going to build something on top of it. You're going to build that family, that love, and that concept. And you didn't lay the foundation at the condo, right? So it doesn't feel like home. When I get to thinking about it, I'm like, even if we're staying a week or a week and a half, it's like you never fully unpack. And why do you never fully unpack? you got to pack it back up. You know you're not staying. And it feels different when you know you're not staying, doesn't it? It just feels different. You take half the clothes you need because you're going to wash them. You don't want to try. She takes more clothes than she needs. and We're all different. <laughs> but I personally rarely take advantage of the dresser in the cabin. Just leave it in my bag because we know we got to pack up. We know we got to go back home. You never... What's funny with Joe, you're just saying it's like I need a vacation for my vacation. And that's because you we got four kids and when we go on vacation, it is not restful anymore. It's like it's a trip. It's not what vacation used to be. Like when I'm at home, what's interesting taking care of four kids at home is so much easier than taking care of four kids on vacation. We settle in at home. We settle down at home. We have everything unpacked. We plan on staying. And we are established at home, right? We're not that way in the condo. I want you to look. Let me wrap this down. Look at Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Somewhere in that chicken scratch it says Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Jeremiah, writing to the nation of Israel, um, he is a prophet. He is the mouthpiece for God. He speaks what God tells him to tell to the people. That is Jeremiah's role to the nation. When Jeremiah speaks, people perceive that God is speaking through him and to them. That's the role of a prophet, to, to speak forth what God is wanting to communicate to that people at that time. So Jeremiah is speaking through letter to the people of Israel. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles that I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Let me just pause for a second so you can catch up to what's going on. You have the nation of Israel. They were from Jerusalem. And God said they are not exiles because He deported them. It was by the hand of God that He caused Babylon 
the great city of Babylon, Babylon, check that out, bad. So, Israel lived in Jerusalem, but then now they are living in Babylon, because Babylon came and overtook them and took most of the people that they wanted and left those that they didn't. Okay? So most of the people are now living in Babylon. They were from Jerusalem. They are the people of Israel. He's writing them a letter while they are living somewhere other than where they came from. Okay? So, let's pick it back up. This is what the Lord of Armies said. The God of Israel says to the exiles deported from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men and marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it thrives, you will thrive. I like to draw pictures, do I not? So what's the first thing he told him to do in the city of Babylon? Build your house. Build your house. Right? He's having a big fence too. Right? So there's your house. Go ahead and build them. Put fire in the fireplace. Right? What else did he say to do? Plant a garden. Put some tomatoes in the front yard, do whatever you do. What else did he say to do? Marry and have children. Hmm? Marry and have children. Build houses, go ahead and live in it, plant gardens, eat from it. Find you a wife. Let's go over here. Oh, uh, we're gonna go a little different. So they didn't have cars, so forgive me for the uh, inaccurate representation of what's going on here. We're putting a modern day spin on it, right? So, you got to have a backlash somewhere to stick to those people. You can go ahead and find a wife so that you can stick that little wife of yours on the back glass so everybody knows you're married. What else does he say to do? Have kiddos. Go ahead and add you a few little people to the back glass too. That way when you're driving around, everybody knows. We're going to go ahead and put a little puppy, because don't you love it when people put their puppy dog in the middle of their stick people family on their back glass, right? Build you a house, <coughs> live in it, plant you a garden, eat from it, have kids, raise them. Find them spouses as well. And when your kids and their spouse have kids, go ahead and marry your grandkids off as well. He says, I want you to multiply in this city that you are not citizens of. Go ahead and multiply. He said, increase, do not decrease in this city that you are not citizens of. I know you wake up in the morning, you're eating your garden, you're living in your house, you're raising your family, and you're thinking about Jerusalem, but the fact of the matter is you live in Babylon. 
raise your family, multiply, increase, don't decrease. Ultimately, this is not your condo. He says, unpack your bags. And he literally says, settle down. Unpack your bags and settle down in this city. Okay? Uh, in a former life, when I was a, when I worked with teenagers in churches, one of my one of my consistent roles as a youth pastor was to um, take kids, take teenagers on camp, mission trips, and we just, every summer we were going somewhere different, right? And one of the one of the things that we always did, we we went on trips to help church plants just like ours to different cities all over the country and even into Canada. And most of the time we ended up in major cities. Uh, we were in Indianapolis, we were in Toronto, we were in Detroit, and, and we, we were in a different major city with these kids every, sum, every summer. And, and one of the things that we had to constantly remind teenagers, maybe even adults needed to hear it before we left as well, we are the visitors. When you go into a new city, and that city is different than your city, recognize you are the visitor. And that has a profound impact on how you view and how you interact. Uh, let me put this another way. When we go to Toronto, the Canadians don't talk funny. You talk funny. Okay? When we go into Toronto, it's not weird that they don't have sweet tea at their restaurants. It's normal that they don't have sweet tea at their restaurant. When we go to Toronto and you're walking through Walmart, they're not rude for not looking you in the eye and smiling at you every time you walk by somebody in Walmart. That's normal. It's not weird. It's normal. Why is that normal? Because you are the visitor. And you are visiting their town. But just because it's different from you doesn't make it weird because it's normal to them. Right? You're the visitor, not them. So Israelites were living in Babylon, right? Let me ask you a question. What are the pitfalls of these exiles dwelling and dwelling on the differences while they dwell in the city. What would be the pitfalls? What would be the problem? What would be some of the struggles or the realities if they went into Babylon and all they did was dwell on the differences while they dwell in their city? I'd probably force them to change and uh, create conflict. Conflict. See it my way. Pitfalls could be increase in conflict. Because the Israelites think the Babylonians need to change to their ways. When the Babylonians are like, dude, multi-generational been here, you just need to recognize you're the visitor. And there could be an increase in conflict. What else? What are pitfalls? If Israelites went in there and all they did is dwell on the differences 
while they dwelled in their city. What do you think? Keep in mind the vision that Jeremiah gave them as well. Big picture of what's going on here. No relationship. No relationship. No. I don't know what the word is. It's like a disconnect. No influence. Okay. I'm gonna say disconnect, and that they're not. They don't have a give and take. They don't have influence. They don't have a relationship with the city that they live in. It's the city, and it's these people. And there are two separate entities living in the same square footage, right? The same space. Babylon and the Israelites. And we don't cross paths. We don't intermingle. We don't influence one another. It's us and them. And actually, that disconnect creates an us versus them, if we're not careful. Which therefore feeds the conflict. What were you guys saying? Essentially, the whole ideology of the ground up. Uh, which one? Israel. Israel's ideology. They don't sit down, they don't multiply, they don't pass the things on, they just complain. Captains are going That could also be extinction. Mm-hmm. Extinction of their faith system, extinction of their uh, relationship with Yahweh, the, the, the Lord of Armies, as Jeremiah called him. Right? Everything that they hold dear, every part of their identity, if they don't settle down, then they won't multiply. And if they don't multiply, then they don't exist. It's the end of it. It's the end of it. What else? Anything else that says, man, if they, if they only dwell on the differences as they dwell in the city, what's the downfall of that? I always feel like a visitor. Really feel like it's home. Visitor slash outsider. They never feel like this is their city. They always have this feeling, this existence that we're just outsiders here, man. We're visitors. I mean, that's a struggle, right? If you're going to live in this place, we're going to get to a point here in a second that. We're going to understand a little bit more about that downfall. But anything else before we move on? Pitfalls of dwelling on the differences. All dwelling in the city. I think it would eventually affect your relationship with the Lord, and that's all we're ever looking at in life. Yeah. Um, you trapped. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, <laughs> it actually has an impact on their connection to God. Right? God, you put us here. This place is awful. These people are weird. They don't even drink sweet tea. I mean, they're of the devil, obviously. Right? That's a little bit of a dramatic example. I don't think the Israelites were complaining about that in Babylon, but... That's how weird this gets. Right? So, dwelling on the differences, actually you begin to believe things about God that aren't true. You begin to have a negative view of who God is because God's the one that put me here. 
that. It was their disobedience and rebellion against the person of God that put them there. If you want to go back and read the Old Testament, you'll find out how they ended up there. God's not evil. God is bringing about all things for their good in this moment. So when you dwell on the differences in the city, man, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Eventually, you think God's bad. And it gives you a very twisted view of the person of God. Okay. So look at this. Look at this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul, one of many instances in the New Testament, this is stated, but I had to pick one. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's talking to the first century New Testament church. This is also completely relevant to us, to you and I, as we're a part of the church. So, we are citizens of heaven. You who have your hope and your trust in the person of Jesus, as the one who came to take away sin through His body, shedding of His blood on the cross for the payment of your sins, for the payment of mine, He was raised to life three days after His death, giving victory over your sin, giving victory over death, giving victory in eternal life. Okay? Those of us who claim that message as our hope, we are now citizens of heaven. And he says, as we are citizens of heaven, living in Benton, Arkansas, we wait for our Savior to return. We're waiting on Jesus to come back. We're waiting on Him to come and gather His kingdom to join Him in the eternal presence of our Savior. But while you're citizens of heaven, you live here. That's where we live. Is this where your citizenship is? No. No. As God's people, these were God's people. They knew where their citizenship was, but they also knew where their house was. We are citizens of heaven. We belong to the kingdom of God, but my current address is in Saline County. We have two options. Two options as citizens of heaven dwelling in Benton, Arkansas. Option number one. I'm going to tell you in advance this is a bad option. In case, in case it doesn't catch on to you quick enough. Option number one, we can dwell on the differences while we dwell in this city. Option number one. Dwell on the difference. While we live here, but our heart and our mind and our citizenship is in heaven, what are the what kind of differences do we dwell on living in the city? Oh man, these people don't they don't this, they don't that, they don't get it, they don't they don't care, they don't right? Just dwell on the differences as you live in this city. People don't care about the things of God. People don't, they don't do right. They don't do this. They don't do that. Right? You ever been a part of that conversation? You ever heard that 
conversation, and it's like, dwelling on the differences, but the fact of the matter is, we dwell in this town. I don't think it's a good option, because I think everything y'all just said is going to increase conflict. If we are the church, citizens of heaven, living in Benton, Arkansas, and as a church, all we do is dwell on the differences, there is going to be an increase of conflict between us and the city. There is going to be an increasing disconnect between us and the city. Right? If all we do is sit in here on Sundays and gather on Wednesdays in our local restaurants and our DNA groups and say, in this town, just got it wrong, man. They just got it wrong. They just don't, they don't, don't get it. They don't understand. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't do this. Increase conflict, and we are going to be disconnected further and further and further and further from this city. It'll be us versus them. We will go to extinction. Eventually, if that's all we do, then we'll cease to exist. Not only as a church, but as the people of God on a greater scale. We will always feel like visitors and outsiders in this town. Some of you are multi-generational in this town, and if we take this mentality of dwelling on the differences, you will become a visitor in this town. It's like, man, this town's changing. It's always for the bad. Man, this town's changing. It's evolving. Used to be this. Used to be that. Now it's this. Now I feel like a visitor and an outsider. All of this dwelling on the differences, and that's what's going to happen to you. That's what's going to happen to us if we take that. It's going to detract from our connection with God. All we do is dwell on difference. It's going to impact your view of the person of Jesus. The authority He has, the power He has, the influence He's given you. And you're going to start to think a very small image of Jesus instead of the great kingdom image that the Bible gives. Your expectations of Jesus is going to be non-existent if all you do is dwell on the differences. So I want to echo what I said before. That's a really bad option. That's option one, but I don't prefer that one. So what's option two? Option two, as we are citizens of heaven, dwelling in Arkansas, we can pursue the well-being of our city. For when it thrives, we thrive. That's what Jeremiah told us. Pursue, what do you say? Um, pursue the well-being of the city that I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you thrive. Pursue the well-being of the city. That's why our current tagline is to remind you that we are for the city. We are for this city. Like, we don't exist for each other, we exist for the city. Now, if you exist with us, it's going to be for your own good. It's going to be a healthy, hopefully, healthy experience, healthy relationship, healthy journey for you to be a part of us. But in the end, I'm going to bust your bubble and say, we didn't start this church for you, we started this church for the city. Because we believe God, has, God put us here for the good of this city, to pursue its well-being, to usher in the kingdom of God, to lay out the realities of heaven in the address that we currently reside. 
We're going to pursue its well-being because when it thrives, we're going to thrive. And that didn't come by dwelling on differences, right? Jeremiah, look at this in verse 10 of Jeremiah 29. I found this very interesting this week. Verse 10 says, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years from Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. Now this was a promise for them, but I think there's a parallel for us. When 70 years are complete, God said, you will be here, but I will restore you to here. You can read that for what it is, or we can ask you a couple questions. And I want you to I want you to consider this with me. Their citizenship will once again be fully restored and realized. But there's 70 years that must pass before that happens. Track with me for a second. Me, anybody know how old I am? God, he's so rude. Somebody say something really small. No, I'm 39. Somebody give me the answer. 39 plus 70. 109. Chicago people went to school. Arkansas people you were way behind. Um, 109. 109 years old. Am I going to see Jerusalem again? I'll never go back. They're going to bury me in battle. Okay? Micah, my oldest daughter. My oldest daughter is 10 years old. 10 plus 70? And you guys are catching on. 80. Micah probably won't make the journey either. Probably not going to make it. Even if she lived long enough, she'd be too frail to get there. She'll never see Jerusalem. And in fact, Micah doesn't even remember Jerusalem. How much do you remember before the age of 10? Very little. He man, Castle Graceful, that's about it. Some of you are like, what? Don't worry, Whitney. We'll, we'll, we'll drop off the box at your house. Okay. My grandkids. So let's assume for a second that Micah has kids at 30 years old. Right? Let's say she has a baby at 30. So we're currently 20 years out from there. Negative 20 is my grandkid, plus the 70 years that it's going to take to be restored. Now we're getting into negatives and positives, and some of you checked out at this point in junior high. So 50. And we're all going to become citizens of Illinois so we get a better education. 50. 50. So my grandkids... When they are 11 years older than I am right now, we'll see Jerusalem for the first time. Put this into context. It's like, when my grandchildren enter into Jerusalem, they're going to feel like visitors in a foreign country because they believe that Babylon is their hometown now. They spent way more of their life in Babylon than they ever will in Jerusalem. 
So let's take one generation further. If my grandchildren have children in 30, now we're looking at negative 50 years before that happens, plus 70 equals one time 20. Yeah, man, I love you guys. These are my greats. My great-grandchildren enter Jerusalem in the prime of their life at 20 years old. They still feel like outsiders, but over the next number of decades, they will make Jerusalem their home as they reacclimate as strong men, leaders in that time of their life. What does this say about the vision that Jeremiah gave to the people of Israel? I got two things. First thing it says is waiting is wasting. Waiting is wasting. The generation hearing this will never walk in Jerusalem again, so giving Babylon their best is the best thing for them. If you're waiting on something different to happen, you're wasting your life and we're wasting our time. The fact of the matter is, We've all been placed, for one reason or another, God's sovereignty has put all of us in this county, in this city. And if we're going to waste any time complaining or focusing on the differences, we are wasting the opportunity that we've been given. It's not been changed. Things aren't going anywhere. And if we're waiting around, if we're going to wait on heaven to come, we're wasting the reason that God put us here. Now, I long for the things of heaven. I, the older I get, the more I taste it. The more I long for it. When I was 20, I just wanted to get married. I just wanted to do this. I just wanted to find a job. I just, I'm like, I used to pray, God, I, heaven sounds good, but I want to get married first. Don't take me. Don't take me before I get married. I used to have prayers like that. I know you all did too, so don't judge me. Um, and that's cool. And the older I get, the more I taste it, the more I long for it. I'm like, yeah, you can go ahead and come. I'll take you now. But if I'm going to sit around and wait on heaven, if I'm going to wait on the return of Jesus, and I'm going to take action in the time and the place that He has put me, I'm just wasting the life you gave me. If I'm going to sit here and wait on heaven and dwell on the things that aren't heavenly out here, I'm just wasting the time that He gave me. He didn't put me here to say, man, those people across the street, they just stupid. How can they be so foolish? How can they just be so goofy, right? That's not why he put me here. That's not why he put me here. He said, build you a house, act like this is home, multiply in this town.